Aloha and welcome to the Finding Ohana podcast and a very special episode. Today we are recording live at Belmont Village with our very special guest. So I want to introduce Lori Montgomery, who's been a longtime resident here in Aliso Viejo and a longtime friend, a teacher to many of our students in the, at the elementary school level and uh, an artist of all sorts. So first of all, I want to say welcome and aloha, Lori. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here to meet all of you and talk to Ross and talk to all of you. Thank you. So I always start off with the first question and I told Lori in advance because I didn't want to catch her off guard, (laughs) but do you remember the first time we met, how we met? I feel like it's almost a lifetime ago at the elementary school level. And that's, that was so many years ago. Your daughter was in Mrs. Cunningham's class? Yes, that's and, correct. And we met there, Canyon Vista Elementary School. We did. We met at Canyon Vista Elementary School, but also Lori and her family lived in my neighborhood. You knew that, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So I had always heard about this incredible family that lived just around the corner from us. Uh, they had a, a small sign on their gate uh, depicting King Kamehameha. <laughs> And every year we would have a uh, neighborhood barbecue block party. And some years, Lori would bring her Polynesian dancers. And those were the incredible years where we'd block off the streets and we would have rows of dancers performing and drums and some ukulele music. And that's the way I think about Lori and the things that she did in our neighborhood, but also if you could tell us a little bit about your teaching, because I, I, I don't use this term frequently and I don't take it lightly, but Lori is one of the beloved teachers at Canyon Vista Elementary. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, what grade you teach and, and your experiences there? Sure. I, this year I'm teaching fifth grade, my favorite grade of all time. They understand my humor, we have good rapport. Um, I didn't always teach fifth grade though. I've been there for almost 20 years same classroom and I've had the opportunity to see in the community my students grow up because I live in the community that I teach in. So when I see them, it's just incredible to share stories of long ago when they were in my classroom. Um, I've been there and I've taught um, all grades except kindergarten. I think kindergarten's the one grade that scares me. <laughs> but um, my, this year my daughter Dana is actually teaching in the class next door to me and is going to teach kindergarten. So, so she's the Montgomery that's going to teach kindergarten. But I, I, I love teaching. It's, I can't even say that it's a job. I've gone there every day for many, many years and I, I just love what I do. It's, it's one of my passions. I love working with the children. I have um, a younger daughter who has some special needs and that's how I set my bar as a teacher, that I would set it as high as I would want someone to set for her when they were in, she was in their classroom. And it is really has been such a joy to teach. And also I was, had the opportunity to meet Ross there while well, his daughter was there with a coworker of mine in her class. And I've been there for such a long time. And, and that's true. You do have a passion for teaching and it shows in everything you do. And, I, and we recently um, crossed paths at Canyon Vista Elementary. Uh, someone in the PTA contacted me and, and said, we're having a multicultural fair. And would you mind coming and uh, playing uh, and singing with some of the high school kids? And I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And then they said, and then would you mind sitting in the Polynesian booth? and answering questions. And I said, well, uh, okay, I can do that too. 
And so we showed up. I learned a couple of lessons. First of all, I learned that when I'm performing with the high school kids, if I take about three steps back from the microphone and sing, I get far fewer complaints. And that is something that I learned and, and I tried it that night and it, I, it was a hit. Um, and then when I went to the Polynesian booth, I, I sat down and I said, who set this booth up? Where, where is everything, everything from? And they said, Mrs. Montgomery set the booth up for you. And I said, of course she did. And, and so after that evening was over, and it was a wonderful evening, it's the first time that Canyon Vista had held this event, it was packed. And afterward, as we were putting uh, Mrs. Montgomery's things back in the multi-purpose room, I got a glimpse of your dancers yes. in there um, practicing, or were they performing? I think. Yes. So we, um, our studio was flooded out that week, oh. so we did, um, yeah, use the multi-purpose room to practice, and all of our dancers were in there practicing for an upcoming competition that we have in August. And that was basically our competition group that you saw. Okay. So it was a coincidence. That it was a first. The night, the same night that you were there too. It was a coincidence, but that's not the only coincidence because I, since COVID, I had not been to a mall and I was, I, I, and like everyone, I was doing things like ordering clothes online and having them delivered <laughs> to my house. And a few months ago I had ordered some shoes, which is, it's almost impossible to order shoes online and then have them sent to you. But I did that. And of course they didn't fit. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna go to the mall and return these because I don't want to pay the return shipping. And I went to the mall and I walked in there. This is Mission Viejo Mall, the shops at Mission Viejo. And I walked in and while I was there, and there was almost nobody there, it was very quiet. And I returned the shoes and I thought, well, you know what? I, there's this Japanese food place in the food court that I used to come to before COVID. I'm gonna go get this chicken and rice dish. So I went up there and got that and I was so happy. I thought, well, I'll just bring it home and eat it. And as I was walking through the, the, the mall, I heard Hawaiian music and I heard drums. And I thought, where is that coming from? So I walked down toward Nordstrom and there was an art gallery there. And I looked inside and there was uh, Le Polynesia's band. I saw my neighbor, uh, Neil, playing oh, guitar. Yeah. I saw Lori's husband and his, it's Guy's father that's playing in the band too, right? Yes, yes. And dancers, and I thought, why? How are they all here? And we hadn't seen each other in a long time. I and I was standing yeah. across the room, and I, we made eye contact, and I waved, and I stood there holding my takeout food for <laughs> I think an hour, listening to the music, watching the dancers, and then afterward we got to come up and talk, and I, it was it was such a great coincidence happenstance to get to see you there. I want to ask you about that and then I want to go on. Okay. But so how did that come up that you were, you, you were in an art gallery like that in the mall? I was very lucky, very, I'm very, I feel very lucky to have that opportunity to be in an art gallery. Uh, during the pandemic, I was getting very bored and I thought that, well, maybe I'll give it a shot, pull out a paintbrush, see if I have it in me anymore. I used to paint when my kids were very small and then raising my four children, I just didn't have the time. And so I took a paintbrush out, not knowing if I would even have it in me anymore, and I haven't stopped since. And so I started really the art of painting during the pandemic at home, and I, I just, I love it. And it's back in my life, which I'm so appreciative of. So that's incredible. We were talking about this just out in the lobby because, first of all, I am such an admirer of anyone who is talented enough to create something from a blank canvas. And, um, and, you know, I know very, I've taken several art appreciation classes in my college career. 
I am a terrible judge of art. I can, <laughs> I can never tell if, I, I can tell what I like. And I know here in the city of Aliso Viejo a few years ago, uh, we were picking public art. And I said, I should not be the one to select art because my opinion of art is different than everybody's. And uh, they said, no, no, you, you, it's up to you. This was when I was the mayor. And they said, uh, so here's the first design of public art. And it was the whale at the Pacific Life Building. And they said, so what do you think of this? And I said, well, I don't think this is art. I think this is their logo. And they, the, the, the artist was there who was gonna be creating this. And so that's when they decided that I don't get to choose art. <laughs> but I, I, the, the, the thing that I admire most is taking a blank canvas and creating something. And, and I can immediately tell if I look at something um, if it's something that I could do, and if it is, then I no longer consider it art, or if it's something that is completely beyond me, um, then I treasure it, and I, and I believe it's art, and I'm comfortable and happy to call it art. And when you showed me your work at that gallery, I said, well, this is art. And, and so, so, you're, so some of your work is here right now. Yes, um, I have one over here called Evelyn. This one down here is Adagio. They're both abstract arts. And I tell you what, when I, when I go onto a canvas, it's because I have a message to put out there. I have a story to tell. Um, and if I don't have a story to tell, then I won't paint. And that process is usually the longest process, thinking about how I want to get my vision of my story, kind of like how people might write in a diary or keep a journal. I tell it through canvas, on a canvas. This one is named after my grandmother, who I loved dearly. Her name was Evelyn, so this piece is called Evelyn. She was born and raised in Lahaina, Maui, and that island is represented by the color pink. And the two gold symbols represent how strongly she always held my hand through life and took care of me. So this was about Evelyn. Without her, I don't think I ever would have picked up a paintbrush or played music. She was the one that encouraged me, and she was the one that guided me through so many parts of my life. And that story about my grandmother is on that canvas, at least part of it. There's not a canvas large enough to express how much I love her. So this one is called Evelyn. That, and, and so that, that speaks to me because I, as I was telling Lori out in the lobby, when I was very young, my mother uh, wanted to paint. She, had, she was raising three young boys and of course we were uh, not the best behaved kids. I think it was, there was always, we were always in some stage of dispute or fight. Um, but my mom tried very hard to paint and to create. And actually, I have more memories of her building the frames and the canvas than her actually painting because I don't know if she ever really got to the point where she was creating something like this. But the thing that I do remember is that she was always very cautious about my brothers and I staying away from the paint and telling us it's dangerous and don't eat that paint and certainly don't get it on our couch. And so I, I wanted to ask you about the, the medium and, and so you're, what, what kind of paint, I don't wanna to get too technical, but when I see something like that and I see the colors and the reflection and the vibrance, yes. I wanna know a little bit about, about what you're using to create that. Okay, uh, my medium has mainly become acrylic painting. I feel most comfortable using acrylics uh, for this style and technique, what I do is I create my color palette. And like I mentioned, for this story that I wanted to tell, it had to do with the island of Maui and the color pink, representing my grandmother. And so I will lay the colors down on a base of acrylic paint, 
I will puddle them all in circles, and then I actually use a blow dryer to move the paint around. Sometimes I will pick up the canvas and tilt it where I want it to go. And with fluid art, we call this fluid art, it has a mind of its own, but for me it has to end up looking very organic. It has to look like my story. And so many times I've scraped a canvas off because it wasn't what I wanted to say. I don't know if I scraped over this one, but I definitely knew that this was one of the most important paintings for me personally. And so it's acrylic painting known as fluid painting. I do mostly that style of painting. It's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Thank we will you. post uh, representations of the art on, on the, uh, the podcast um, Facebook page. But it is, it's something that's so unbelievable. And, and so I know in the old days, and when I'm saying the old days, this is when I was little. So in the late 60s and the early 70s, when my mother was painting, she, she was building the frames and stretching the canvas. Do you do that or do you buy them already? Nowadays, I don't know if they just sell them that way. They, yes, they sell them that way. Okay. I, don't, I don't think I would even know where to start when it comes to stretching the canvas. But I was going to say, sometimes the process of preparing for a painting, like what your mom did, is helps you to think. It helps you to create what you want to put down on that canvas. I, I wonder if that's what was happening with her because it seemed to be taking much longer just to create the canvas than the art. Yes. Um, and, but I, and, and, and the memories I have, um, I have vague memories and then they get renewed with certain things. And you've renewed some of my memories uh, of when my mother was painting, but also about, so I've lived in, we were talking about this before we started the podcast. I've lived in Elisa Vieja for 22 years. And when I was first, when we first moved here and we bought our house just up that we were only about a half mile away from Belmont Village, um, it was our first year, Christmas here, and uh, my daughter said, well, can we put Christmas lights up? And I said, of course we can. So I bought Christmas lights, and I opened up a box, and I actually found the staple gun that my mother used to staple the canvas onto the frames. And I sat there looking at that gun and picturing myself. Uh, the, the box looked like it was from the 60s, but the staple gun looked brand new because she only used it when she was making those frames. And I had this memory wash over me of watching my mother getting ready to create art. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was uh, such a wonderful experience. And then I had that same feeling when you and I were just talking about how you started painting again. Uh, it, is, it, it is an a, a amazing talent to have. And that's why I always admire it. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's, when you get those memories, it's just a flash flood of things that meant so much to you. And... When I have an idea of something that's important to me, I, I want to get it down on canvas. I can't always do it when I would like to, but I'm so excited when I finally get to. And the painting process is usually the quickest part. It's the prep. Um, it's the prep, it's the color palette, it's the thinking about how you want to represent this very important story that you're about to tell. And, and, and so we, we were talking about, oh my gosh, you know what I should probably just turn my phone off. Um, when we, uh, we're, we're talking about visual art, but we also started out talking about what I consider to be performance art, and that's the Polynesian dancing. And so could, you, could we talk a little bit about that? Because I've enjoyed it for, it's been two decades since I've been familiar with your, right. your dance uh, performances. Um, when you have your students, and I see your students of all ages, mm -hmm. Uh, out there, um, are they performing traditional established uh, forms of dance or are they creating new dances? What are they doing exactly? Yes, so we, our studio currently, uh, we, we usually focus on the Tahitian style dance, 
the Hawaiian, which is known as the hula. And so we focus on a lot of those, those styles of dance and the, and, and the technique. We do also, in the Hawaiian community, do something where generationally the knowledge is passed down. So my daughter, we just recently passed, my older daughter recently passed the studio to her. She's doing all the choreography and the teaching. Oh. She is the third generation of the Montgomery family to carry it on. And we always tell our children, if you want to do this, it's your choice. You can, but you don't have to. It's run a good course, but if you would like to continue it, that would be awesome. And so Dana Calais, my, our oldest daughter, decided to do that. And so we also want to hel- hold close the uh, traditional teachings that we learn from our elders, that they pass down to us. We can be progressive with each generation and put in our own style and our own flair, but there are certain things that we hold dear to our heart. The generation before us, my mother-in-law, Elima Montgomery, and father-in-law, who started this whole thing, we want to make sure that we respect what they started and carry on their, you know, their, their hard work. And my father-in-law now is uh, on Kauai visiting and turning 90 next weekend. So we're, we're so excited that we are able to celebrate that with him, but he has taught us so much, uh, my mother-in-law as well. So traditionally, we will pass on what we've learned and then infuse a little bit of our own style. That's, it's wonderful. And, and I was actually, I, I, I'm thinking now about that, uh, that encounter we had at the art gallery. And I, I, I'm, I'm such an admirer of the skill and also the stamina of these dancers. But I, and I, I'm going to mention this because when you talk about skill and stamina and speed, I, I remember there was a young lady dancing and uh, she was moving so fast. <laughs> and I remember looking at her and I, I was thinking to myself, Boy, how does that skirt stay on? Yes. And then what happened? Huh. It started to fall. Was it, I, someone ran over and grabbed her before her skirt hit the ground. And then you brought her over behind a pillar and resecured everything. <laughs> and then she came back out and finished the dance. It was the most amazing performance, including that little break to make sure that her clothes didn't fall off. And I thought yeah, it was. And things happen. Things yeah. do happen on stage. And we have to just be professional and figuring out how to remedy that. Well, that was terrific. And. And I, I hope that you're going to be performing again in Aliso Viejo. I, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll come here to Belmont Village and, and maybe bring a smaller group to show uh, s- some of your dance uh, in the coming. I'm not going to hold you to it. I don't think anyone will. But fingers crossed that, that, that late Polynesia will come by and show some of the dance. I've already mentioned it to um, Carol. To Carol. Yes. yes. That we would be honored to come back and oh, do something. Terrific. Maybe terrific. during Christmas or we'll find a good month to come back and just... Have our dancers meet all of you and just be here and um, give something back to the community. And oh. that's part of what we also teach is not only the dance technique and the professionalism on a stage, but how to always give back to others, to take what you've learned and do something good with it. And there's so much that they learn in the studio technique-wise and etiquette-wise, but really the heart of the studio is who you are as a dancer here in your heart and how you take what we've taught you and give it back to the world. And so that's that's our hope. That's our that's our goal. And and I I hope that for for some of you who've who've um, who've attended the the different performances or presentations that I've done here, that that's a common theme. And it's it's um, not just a Hawaiian theme or a cultural theme, but we hope it's a societal theme. That the young people that that come and help, and um, the folks of uh, my generation. And the folks of all of your generation recognize that although news is rough these days and we see some terrible things going on, 
I think that's the exception and the rule is that there are some terrific people out here um, that really want to help, really want to do things for the community, and especially in the way of providing art and culture and, and a good example um, of, of what will keep our community strong and, and vibrant and positive. And I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of how important education is and how important our young people are. And I see that right over here uh, off to the side is our uh, school board trustee and board president, uh, Krista Castiano. So she stopped by, let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> Krista stopped by to say hello with her friend Luca, and they are both um, incredible community volunteers and supporters. Um, and I'm just going to uh, tell a, a little brief story about Krista. We had a great experience a few years ago with some uh, students that got into a difficult situation at Canyon Vista. And we, we got together and we got the students at Canyon Vista to put together a video and work with the middle school kids at Don Juan Avila Middle School. And I, I said to Krista, we're gonna do a video and there's gonna be music in it. And she said, I can't sing. I said, no, no, you can play an instrument. She says, I can't play an instrument. And um, uh, I said, well, I'm gonna get you, in fact, I've got, I said, I'm gonna get you something. And all you have to do is, all you have to do is shake it. <laughs> and I said, can you just do this in the video? And, and she goes, well, I don't wanna be in the video. So the video is from our, 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 our shoulders down. So no one's face is in it. And then when we started doing it, Krista said, well, I've got terrible timing. So um, I brought my son who plays the bass and he set the pace for us and the timing for us, but it still wasn't quite enough. So then I got a metronome and I turned it on light and I put it down. And, and if you look at the video, we're all looking down at the metronome trying to stay in time. But you know, in the end, that video came out great. And it was a great lesson for the students about working together, uh, working with your older peers and with the kids in your same grade. And also that even somebody like a school board trustee who says she has no musical talent will dig deep and find some talent. And Krista uh, is the star of the opening of that video along with my son playing the bass. So uh, that's, that's one of my fondest memories um, of working with the kids at, at Canyon Vista. Um, so before, before we run out of time, Lori, I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, I wanted to tell you something else that you're probably gonna find amusing. But for the longest time, when we would walk our dog past your, your home in, in our neighborhood, mm -hmm. and you had that King Kamehameha. Uh, uh, it I remember was a, that sign. You yes. remember that sign? Yes, I remember that you, sign. Do you know that most of the kids thought was, that was the USC Trojan on your gate? It kind of does Because <laughs> it was like the that. same color. Yes, yes. And I finally had to say, that's King Kamehameha. From, and I got the blank stare. Yes. So that told me also that there's always a place to teach young people and older people about culture and, and sharing culture so that no one ever again mistakes King Kamehameha for the USC Trojan. <laughs> Although we are USC fans. So okay, <laughs> well then maybe that wasn't a problem. <laughs> so, but okay, so now what I wanted to ask you because, and you already kind of answered this, is I was curious what the future is for Lay Polynesia, for Polynesian dance uh, classes in our, it's really our region, it's not just yes. Elisa Viejo. Yes. And so your daughter has taken, yes. taken over. And are, are you um, seeking students in the schools? I saw, I, I think I saw some dancers that were maybe close to my age. So you had a full range. Yes. Um, where are you looking for students and what, do you, what is your daughter now building in that school? Yes, usually uh, the way that we work is through word of mouth. So one family knows another family who's recommended us. 
uh, they come to one of our shows and they want their kids to try it out. So that's basically how I would say the Polynesian community uh, grows their student clientele. Uh, we're very family-based and that's how we like to keep it. So people that come into our, we call it a halal, which is also known as a hula school or studio. And once they're in there, we treat them like family and that's the atmosphere that we want to keep and provide. That's very, very important. We also hope that, you know, as our generation is getting older, that the younger generation, my daughter's generation, she's 25, that they will continue this as well. We hope that the future will, you know, have that in it for my great-great-grandchildren, but we don't know. We just hope that it will continue, and that's our hope that it will. Uh, she loves it. There's a lot of young people her age that are doing it as well, and so that's our hope for, you know, continuing Polynesian culture and dance in the community, in the world. There's so many people around the world that, that love to do that. So I, I feel like we have, we have hope. That's, that's wonderful. And I'll tell you another story about hope. Um, I think the last time I was here, I, I joked about how I've got a sticker on the back of my car that's the Hawaiian Islands. It depicts the Hawaiian Islands. And at Ralph's down the street, um, this, was, uh, this was last year, somebody, as we were walking to our cars, uh, someone I didn't know asked me if I was a chiropractor. And I, I said, no, why? And she said, well, because you've got a spinal column on the back of your car. And I said, no, no, that's the Hawaiian Islands. And she said, oh, I see it now. So just last week, our uh, administrative sergeant um, in Aliso Viejo commented that people can spot my car because I have the Hawaiian Islands on the back window. And I thought, okay, at least someone now is recognizing that that's the Hawaiian Islands. It's not a spinal column and I'm not a chiropractor. So I have hope that people are becoming more aware of culture, at least my culture, and they, they know that I'm not a chiropractor, but I am, my family is uh, Hawaiian. And I, I hope that, that we continue to see interest in cultural activities like music and dance and art that really harkens back to your family, which is so incredibly important. That's been always, it's always the theme when, whenever I'm here, is things that either my mother taught me, like some of the cooking or some of the music, things that um, I've learned from my brothers who are always tormenting me, um, or things that I've learned just from being around the community and from good friends and Im Im important members of our educational uh, community like Lori Montgomery. So I, I really wanna thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your art and talking a little bit about what you're doing um, with your school and your career. Thank you, it was an honor being here, meeting all of you, and thank you, Ross, for this great opportunity. I was happy to be here and to share what I do. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, and for everyone here that joined us for this first live recording of the Finding Ohana podcast, thank you everyone very much. Um, and I'm gonna say, Mahalo. Aloha. Aloha.